This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And good evening, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good, um, Mazel Tov, James Seltzer. This is High Hopes. A weekly Phillies podcast powered by Sports Radio 94 and WIP. I am John Marks. He is James Seltzer. We're the High Hopes group. And I'll ask you on the air, if we add a third person to it for when, like, I'm on vacation or you're on vacation or we can't make it, we need to add a third person. Like, not the four horsemen, but the three horsemen. Yeah, we need we need a third mic, you might say. A third mic. You know what would be really good? A younger guy who we both like and know who could help produce the show so we wouldn't have to do it. That would be amazing. You know what I mean? Maybe like a Jack Fritz. I like Fritz. Yeah. I could, I could like be that. in on a little Fritz action. Because Gabe could... Or, uh, Gabe. Uh, Gabe Kapler on the Kapler, Kapler, You yeah. said Mazel Tov, and your mind went straight to Gabe Kapler. The Hebrew hammer. That's right, baby. There you go. Um, yeah, no, because Jack can handle himself with Philly Stalk, obviously. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, and he could, so if I need it off or I was away. I like that. Or, or the, so there you go. All right, so Fritz is our fill-in. I think that's a good idea. Okay. I don't want to ask him. Well, yeah, no, we'll just decide for him. He's got nothing else going on. He's fine. Yeah, he's a young dude. He doesn't yeah. get a choice. <laughs> he gets it. He takes all the opportunities he can get, all right? All right. Well, James Seltzer. Last week we did a we we have been recording on a Monday, and um, and it was just I guess Tuesday where the whole Roy Halliday stuff happened. Literally, like were you guys on the air? We were. At, it was after. It was about four o'clock, like three forty-five, four. So the, the stuff first, started the leaking first out. Twitter stuff where it was like, oh, that's his plane. And right away, you're like, oh, well, that's not good because you know if it's his plane, then you come out and say, well, he wasn't on board. Or you know, there's leaks that are like, or he tweets or something like that. So right away, you had the sense that something was wrong. And then 4:15 was the press conference because yeah. I'm I'm driving in, thinking it's already him. And then when Chris and Ike are like, yeah, they're having a press conference at 4:15. Then listening to the press conference, you kind of had the sense, and it was. And um, man, like, what do you say about it? Ah, uh, it's the it's the worst, man. The worst. It's just it's it's um. Like, it, the whole thing was surreal because, like, I, I we weren't on the air, but I actually get a text from Joe camera and Joe Cam the text just says, Roy Halliday may have died. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, Joe camera informed you I that know, it might have been dude, him? he's all over Twitter these days. The craziest thing. He's like... Well, I saw he tweeted out. He tweets he takes, all the time. He's like, uh, good win by the Sixers he's now. He's locked in on Twitter bat. now. Yeah, he also said that Ben Simmons will, quote, unquote, likely get the most triple doubles in the history of the NBA. So he's really leaning into the whole hot take thing. Uh, but so anyway, but just more the like may have died. Like what the hell's that? Like, did they die? Did he die or did he not die? And then it's that whole surreal thing of like, you know, you're hoping it's not Roy, but like somebody's dead and it's like, none of it's okay. You shouldn't feel good about any of it. Um, but no, it, worst case scenario, somebody died. Exactly. And that's well, like, yeah, exactly. No, like so the thing is, like best case scenario, someone's dead. You know what I mean? It's right. like that, that's terrible. Right. Um, but it's like as it kind of got closer, and it's like you hear that the press conference at four thirty, then it's at four fifteen, and you start to like look at it, like how he tweeted about it that day, and all that, and you're just like, all right, it's him. Like you, you were he kind of tweeted. You were braced for it. They're you not knew having it was a him. press conference to say that. Yeah. That They're not moving up the press Bob conference Smith, to to get yeah. rid of all the people talking about it and stuff. I you knew know. it was him, and it's just the man. It's the worst. Like, it's like, well, 
it's like here's what I said. What I said the first kind of thought I had. Like I know I lost my dad young, and he yeah. died of a heart attack. Just like boom, gone. And like, and how old were you? I was I was 21, so I wasn't like oh, super God. young. So he had to, he had a chance to have an impact on my life. Like I know people like my buddy lost his mom when she when he was seven. Like so like oh, I'm grateful man. for what I got, but it's always I always wonder about the concept of like some people can say goodbye, have time, and then others it's just like. Boom, and it's gone. And I don't know if if one is better than the other. You know, it must be tough to watch someone be sick or whatever it is. It's different. But like with with like Dutch, when Dutch goes, like, and that's still way too young and awful. But like we knew it was we were able to brace ourselves, right? Like we were able to be a little but like with with holidays, just like like what the hell, Roy? Holidays dead? Like, how is that something that is a part of my world, you know? Yeah, it's not and and actually you brought it up because that's I, I said it on the air with Dutch, like Listen, I knew that he was in bad shape and heading towards hospice weeks before it yep. was even really out there. And that's not something I'm going to share on the air. Of course I'm, not. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter. No. I'm not trying to break news by telling people that Dutch. And then Lenny Lenny had kind of brought it up because yep. people that knew Dutch knew that. that yeah, was... Joe DeCamera told me the same thing before. He's like, hey, right. just so you know, Darren's really sick. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You're able to brace yourself somewhat. Right. It's still awful and sad, but like you're at least somewhat ready for it you know and holiday it's just like boom like that it's like whoa 40 years old younger than me six months younger than me and um and the thing that kept getting me when you when you the, the phillies sent out that email with all the responses from his former te- teammates and every single one of them uh brought up his wife brandy and his two yeah, boys that's and the for, toughest part for me having two young kids at home now yeah, and it's it hits like home. that it hits home it does and it's like his kids while, like, listen, they will they will move on because they have to. It's still really tough to think of his two boys not growing up oh, with his dad. It's the worst. You hear, and here they, like, idolized him. And, like, he was, like, the, you know, coached their teams and all that stuff. It's just, like. I learned more about Roy Halladay in the, the 12 hours after he died than I knew about him Me in too, his life. man. Me too. It's I crazy. Didn't, I knew he was a good guy, but I didn't know, like, other than following his Twitter. Like, I learned more about Roy Halladay. I knew more about Roy Halladay with his Twitter Post career, yeah. I just thought he was this—he was this guy, like on the mound. He was like a mean son of a bitch, yeah. Right? And he was also like that dude who was like the Star most off. intense and like yeah. so, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, intense about everything he, throws he no did. Hitters and he does his post workout, yes, like after he was a no like hitter. exactly, dude. He was like a maniac. You looked at him that way as like that uber intense, like athlete type person, but you didn't think about him as this fun loving, caring. We, we didn't know much about him other than that. Yeah, he always—you're right, though. He always seemed. Happy, like he always seemed like. Even though he was intense, like there was always a hint of a smile. There was always like a in the locker room, like in the dugout. You always, he always seemed to be positive and happy. And everyone said he was the best guy. You just didn't get Everybody. to actually see it yourselves. You and know? then you look at his Twitter after he he dies, pretty much. And yeah. and like I I like I remember when Roy, and I remember my reaction. I remember when he first joined Twitter and he was taking selfies. And I remember I said I said on the air I go. Roy Halliday's taking <laughs> selfies on Twitter. This can't be him. Big smile on his face. And you really are like, yo, this guy was just like a happy guy that loved life and yes. had passions. And was funny. I mean, the one, the tweet of him at Disney World with the guy wearing his jersey where he's like, he doesn't even know he's at Disney World with me or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's so classic. Like, he was just, a, he, he seemed to really have a, a great sense of humor. He embraced his post-playing career. Like, you would think a guy like that would try to hold on forever. Like, Steve Carlton pitched probably three or four years too long. Yeah. Roy Howdy knew he was done and was out. Mm-hmm. Just like that. 
Love it. Fourth year with the Phillies. Like, I have such respect for that. Yeah, I mean, he was just done. Well, it's because these guys, and we've talked about this before in other forums and stuff, but like these guys only have a very short amount of their, their life, like a, a percentage of their lifetime, to do the thing that they are best at in this yep. world, the thing that defines them in this world. It's like as much as like I love when people know when to hang it up and we don't ever see that that downslope, but at the same time, like I'm never going to give anyone crap for saying like I can keep doing this, I got to keep doing this while I can. It's really hard to kind of, you know, yeah, why fault not? them for that, right? Other guys say, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. And while Lefty couldn't give it up, Roy said, I'm throwing. And I forgot about this, and I don't know if it was Rob Cherry that brought it up or a caller, but that game at Wrigley Field where he was getting overheated and oh, he was in yeah. the dugout. You could see it. He was like red and like. I thought there was something else wrong yeah, with him. Yeah, it was awful. He like, was th- and he was throwing 83 miles an hour. He was just done. And then um, who was it that that it was it was a guy that, that had like a cup of coffee with the Phillies and after he had passed had a, actually I think he put it out on Twitter where was Michael Young mm-hmm. Michael Young who was like here for yeah. not even a year not even a year but all, but a great but like a, a great baseball yeah, guy great, a great teammate. baseball guy it's a great way to put it yeah he saw him he went out to the mound and said doc you all right and he goes everything hurts i got nothing today or something like that but he wouldn't give up he wouldn't give in yeah. and but after that season he was gone so like I, every, listen everybody has talked about Roy Halladay and had the Roy Halladay stories and we did like it was like a two day like post mortem on WIP so uh, you therapeutic. Know, I think yeah. you know it's tough, but it's one of those things that I think it's cathartic for a lot of people to. I think that any time, like talking about things when you're feeling down or whatever, Absolutely. is always the best way to like get it out it's there and feel better. It is really therapeutic, and I felt like it felt like that here for those two days to like kind of just give the city the a first chance to grieve shock, together. And the second day, you're kind of remembering yeah. the great times and and celebrating a great dude, even though the the, the guy at our sister station up in Boston. Starts going nuts and see what the problem a, is an the problem James where he's talking about him and he, he's saying he's saying that he deserved to die and he's a moron or whatever like he just I think he's a lunatic and everything snowballed from him I believe his main point was what is he doing risk putting his sure. life at risk in a plane like that and hot dogging it and and everything else after watching that video to where like a normal person would be like wow like his poor kids his poor family like whatever yeah, yeah. but like i'm not going to tell you that i haven't at least had the half a thought like yo man like that's really risky what you're doing yeah with your kids or but whatever. Say, but yeah but no it, one gets in a plane and thinks that they're going to go yeah crash and, and also it's like yeah sure he shouldn't have done that but that doesn't change the person he was or the no, life of course he not exactly you know and it's like and on top of that it's like i like while I'm not that type of guy, like I wouldn't even want to fly a plane by myself, much less like do all the hot dog and stuff. But like, this is a guy who threw a no hitter in f- freaking postseason. Like, this is a guy who who has been in front of a crowd of you know thousands and thousands and thousands of people and lived the highest of the high. Like, you can understand how it's tough to kind of recreate that. Going back to that thing about like what they do. You know they they can only do their what their they best effort. You know you, that's a thrill, that's a rush. Like I get like um I I it was stupid, but like I I I get where that comes from. That want to to kind of find of that thrill. Yeah, again, like some you know? guys post career struggle with stuff to do. So, some guys go into broadcasting. Other guys turn to other things like drinking or whatever else. And some guys. Do they fly? I mean, he, it's something he always wanted to do, and he couldn't because of the baseball contract. So, but my point is that if he wanted to, if the, if the host wanted to bring up, like, what yeah, is he, he could have done it in a much more constructive way. 
Yeah. Yes. And you know what? Or not do it at all because well, at that point, what's the payoff? Yeah. A man just died and a wife it's, and, it's two, and two young boys don't have a father and a husband. Yeah. It's outrageous. It's, like, there's, it's ridiculous. What's the upside here? Like, there, there's zero upside. Exactly. That's the problem. All right. We're going to do our first. We're gonna Every week, we're going to do a segment, James. Where and, and and this is like so like podcast ish e like I'm not experienced <laughs> with the podcast like you know what I'm saying like normally I think it's more radio y than it is, is it? podcasting. What would be a podcast segment? No, see, I well, we'd never do a position review, right? But that's just because we don't talk enough about it. I mean, we would do like wide receiver reviews on the Eagles. I'd already be fired, but based on our first, <laughs> our first three podcasts. On just kind of rambling on and on. Yeah, right? well, Spike we did talk or, or about Gabe Kavler and coconut oil for like eh, 30 minutes. So. Coconut oil has a lot of uses, by <laughs> the way. I've learned. So we're going to do a position review, and we're going to start with first base um, based on 2017, looking ahead into 2018. But I did want to mention, James Seltzer, that our uh, our manager, Gabe Kapler, and I guess I'm like – I'm. I'm a positive person, so I'm not going to complain. But I, I don't, I still don't know if I like to hire. But anyway, so he's compiling a staff. Dusty Watham, and this is no, no real surprise to either one of us because we said it. Dusty Watham is the third base coach. Yep, which makes sense. Yep, we talked uh, about it. They're going to probably hire a, a a bench coach that has experience. It's oh, not yeah. going to be Larry Boa. I don't think it's going to be Larry Boa. Yeah, I think it's going to be someone who uh, fits kind of what they're doing organizationally and. This analytical approach and all someone who Or is look, it wants him well? Look, well, here's the thing. A bench coach, a bench coach more than any other coach on the team has to be in lockstep with the manager. He has, has to, to have be, a great relationship. He has to be yeah, they, they spend great the entire chemistry. game together. Every great chemistry, all that type of stuff. And he doesn't necessarily have to think the same way. Sometimes it can be good to have someone who has a different perspective and is gonna kind of throw it the other way. Bouncing things it has off to be of. exactly. And Gabe Kapler seems like a Someone who might not be comfortable bouncing things off of just about you know a lot of people. Like a, a guy from know? the Jersey Shore that <laughs> right, likes yeah, uh, exactly. that likes baseball. So that can... I think we're gonna you know I think that I think it'll be a very um, Snooky. Uh, is Snooky a uh, oh, baseball? Oh, I think uh, uh, you know Paulie D. Snooky, one of those two in the clubhouse uh, leader here. So anyway, yeah. I, I would love to. I'd love to be able to tell you, James, and everybody out there listening to us. Like, here are some guys that uh, that that expect to be in contention for like the bench coaching job. I just. No one's reporting about it. I have no names. Yeah. Here's what I can well, tell you. would be like picking at it. There's so many of these guys across teams, and we don't know who his connections are no and who his friends are doing. Like, you know, look at the Dodgers staff. Look at the Rays staff. More likely than not, it's going to be someone from those staffs, potentially. You know, somewhere he's been, someone he knew, most likely. But Could who be. Knows? But no one actually has names out there. It doesn't look like it's going to be Juan Samuel. Or like Juan Samuel could actually go to AAA and yeah. be their manager. Mickey Morandini looks like they haven't named the first base coach yet. I don't know if, if they don't want it to be Mickey or he's – so those guys are kind of in limbo. Larry Bowe's going to be within the organization somehow. Yes. They hired John Maley as the uh, as the hitting coach. He's been with Chicago the last few years, Houston before that. Seems like a guy that – you know, it's weird. Matt Stairs was here for a year, and then now he's in San Diego. San Diego, and, yeah. Uh, did that not work out? Uh, I don't you know. know. What I mean, I mean, I can't yeah. say that they were great this year. No, and I think that they clearly weren't. Look, I think I don't know if it was that Stairs didn't want to be here or, or they wanted someone new. Who really knows? My guess is that the latter. With, yeah, I think that with the overall here, they're they're bringing in their own guys. And look, this, this Padres. I mean, San Diego. I would take John Maley over Matt Stairs. No offense to Matt Stairs, who I'm grateful for that home run in L.A. and all that. But I mean, like this guy's a legit hitting coach. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Three years. I mean, look, won a World Series in Chicago. He's got credentials. He was with the Astros. He's clearly going back. To you know the whole organizational approach, Cubs, Astros, like the two teams, the Phillies are pretty much trying to model well, this whole thing after. So. And here's the other thing: you had all, you'd mentioned the analytics, and I, I am going to be nauseous with analytics talking <laughs> here, James. I'm not like 
I understand analytics. It's all the years of no analytics and being like the worst franchise in sports were turning. I was anti. Like, believe me, when Ruben was when Ruben and Charlie used to talk about like walks don't matter, it's hitting and this and that. I'm just like, well, I mean, yeah, if you're you have guys that are hitting 40, 50 home runs, sure, then it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. But I, 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 I value on base percentage. I value quality. Because you're a smart man, Jerry Hoskins. The analytics stuff's important, but like I'm just. Yeah. I also I want to I'm a baseball guy. I'm with too. you. Like I look, I you know me, I'm a big analytics guy. Even me with the launch angle and all this stuff this past year. Here's my issue. Love, love the launch it angle. It seems like there's favorite. always got to be something new. Like, can't we just roll with the stuff we got for a little bit and be like, all right, this is good. It's always something every year. It's got to be a What's reason. What's more important, launch angles or war? Yeah. Remember when war was the analytic? War that, was the number one That's thing. all you matter was yes, like, what's yes. war? Oh, let's just stick with huh. war. Uh, huh. <laughs> what is it good for? Um. Yeah, I don't even know how to come back from that. That's pretty good though. But I um launch launch angle just seems so ridiculous to me. It's like why are there so many home runs? It's launch angle. Launch angle. No, they're juicing the balls. Come on, or let's be small, serious balls, here. It's not the same ball that they've it, they're used. They're slick balls, whatever. They're doing well, something it's, it's with the balls too. They broke the home run record by like the start of September this year. No, they're, they're doing there's, something. There's been no denial. And by the way, I haven't really seen one of the big reporters go to Major League Baseball and say, "Hey." <laughs> It's been widely reported <laughs> under the radar yeah. that they're using you're using a smaller ball. Yeah, you know that why that is Be the same reason why no one questioned the steroid stuff. I mean, people weren't that stupid it's in good, baseball. It's good right? for business, baby. It's good you know, for baseball business. about that. So anyway, I will say this: if you Google Maley, John Maley, and you go to the video section because I was just looking for information on it, he does all these videos where he has these all these different things with launch angles and whatever. So it's pretty clear why. Why the Phillies wanted him, other yes. than the, the Cubs, and he's had success before. Right, uh, he fits he, this, the organizational structure. He that also they're picked he picked this staff over a bunch of other teams that were interested. He I mean, could have got he could have went to a bunch. of He could have gotten any hitting coach job in the like, much. anyone that was open. Pretty he would have been the top. Like the Phillies went out and got the top candidate out there for the hitting coach job, the number one guy they could have got. Yep. So we'll see. Probably. Once the like the, when there's a couple jobs still open, like the Yankees haven't named their manager yet, so it's crazy. Once, and there are a lot of outside the box candidates that have been reported. They're talking it's about fascinating Boone and, and like freaking bringing guys. David Cohn down from the booth. Have like, you noticed this? That it's becoming the trend in baseball that you don't even need to be a manager to get hired. Yes, because the GMs now look at it and say anybody can manage as long as you're smart and you like the GMs want to control things from upstairs. Yeah. And they so want someone who's a guys, conduit right. to exactly. No, they're hiring a, guys that that they feel like they can do. Well, that and I do think though that I think that I think the fact that Maley come here came here is a really good sign. Like I think that it's a sign of the organizational structure being appealing to people like Maley across the sport. Agreed. And I think Kapler is appealing to people like that. And I know he's a seems like he can be quite divisive, but there is a large swath of very smart people who want to work with this guy, and I Agreed. think that's good. Agreed. So we'll see where they go with the staff. I'd love to see Larry Boa back on the bench. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, I would too. But he will be in the organization. He's Philadelphia, Larry. He is a he's a Philly. He's been he's just one four, of, yeah. four, four decades. Yeah, he's of, just someone you know. You just he's he's a Philly. Yes, he is. All right, let's talk about first base. Let's. Our, our first don't do we need an open for this? Yeah, like a well, I'm gonna have. Well, to Well, there come won't up be one something. for this one. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I keep saying oh, I gotta do an I gotta do an intro. We'll do one, you know. Yeah, that's you're what, gonna have all the time that's in the world. Jack Fritz producer. Well, you know, we'll figure it out. I got time. You got to- swing man. Yes, Fritz. All right, Jack. Are you? Li- See, you better be listening to know this stuff. 
Well, he's going to have to listen. <laughs> I'm going to text him to him and say yeah. it's your job. Fritz, all right, we need you to do a, a open for us. He works at Conklin. He had Conklin a voice it or Just something listen. for us. Spend hours and hours producing this podcast, and we'll yes. let you on as the third mic slash when I need off or yes. James needs off. You sometimes. You can be the co-host. Yeah, yeah, like sometimes. Yeah, I think sometimes that's I might right. just go solo and book a couple guests. <laughs> Other times I'll just go solo. I don't need you, right? Yeah, I think right, that so, that's, so let's do it. First position review, first base, and I'm not even going to start start with Reese Hoskins because that would be Whoa. too obvious. I'm going to start with Tommy Joseph. TJ, baby. So here's the line: uh, 495 at bats, 22 home runs. It seemed like a lot of those home runs were really early in the season. <laughs> yep. So. Well, I think I think it's like all in May. Like his month of May was monster, and everything else was atrocious. Yeah, because I was I was told I was told time after time by all the Phillies fans out there. You can't, even the Phillies organization, you can't bring up Reese Hoskins with Tommy Joseph doing this. And He's like, too good. Yeah, like, yeah, you can. Like, stop with this Tommy Joseph. Yeah, it was I outrageous. Li- I like Tommy Joseph. I don't want to disrespect Don't lie to our faces. Yeah, but please, you don't know what you're talking about if you think you, you can't bring up Reese Hoskins. And they waited, and they brought him up, and you can't argue with what Hoskins did. More on that in yeah, a second. But you could argue with that. I still, I don't oh, care I whether, yeah. I don't they, care how great he was at the start. Like, they wasted time bringing him up. They wasted time. He could have handled it. it Based on what you All saw, season, you know he could have come up to start the June. season, and I have no problem with them waiting for the Super 2 till May or whatever, or even June. But, like, come on, man. Like, this team was out of it by June. After that month of May, they weren't doing anything. Like, it was a joke. It was. So, 495, 495 bats, 22 home runs, 69 RBIs, 129 strikeouts to 33 walks. His on-base percentage, I think, was 289. Like, Tommy Joseph is what he, Tommy <laughs> Can Joseph we not gloss over the on-base percentage of 289? I mean, come on, man. I feel like I could go in the major leagues and get on base 28% if he hits of the time. 40 home runs, you can look at that a little bit differently. If he's a plus fielder, you, you can't. But like, you know what I'm saying. Like, if there were no, other things that he did, yeah, sure. you could be like, like for instance, uh, Freddie Galvis. Like, his on base percentage can be a little bit lower if he's hitting 20 home runs and playing go glove ish defense. Yes. Defense. No which question. He didn't win, no question. Way. Like, then it's kind of like, all right, you're strong up the middle. That's fine. Yeah. Tommy Joseph <laughs> is a dime a dozen American League. DH platoon DH baseman, platoon platoon DH yeah that's what he is no and doubt. you know what that's fine it's fine it's fine here, here here's what I here's what I say about Tommy Joseph James Seltzer because I don't think he has much of a trade market I'm sure a team would give you a C level prospect for uh, him, no like an F right? level prospect here here's what I'll say uh, I'd rather have guy. him on the team and be an option for Reese Hoskins to play a little bit of left field. Here's here's what I would like to do, and there's not there's not a whole lot of left-handed starters in baseball anymore, but on days where you have a really tough left-handed starter, I put Hoskins in left field, I put Tommy Joseph at first base, and I stack that lineup with right-handed hitters. I keep them around just for that and for the when you have DHs or whatever, unless you get a fair offer for them, which is like a decent prospect. Yeah, that's I keep I, them. They're not going to happen. I, I they're you not going to stays. They're not going to get anything for him. So, like, the, the, unless you get a. Why de- trade him? For, they, for what? Well, why trade him is what I'm saying. Like, oh, why no, not no, just no. That's the, yeah, I agree. I, I'm fine with keeping him. Here's my thing is, like, I personally, the way this team is developing, like, I'd rather not sit Nick, sit Nick Williams against lefties, not since Odell against lefties. I'd rather have those guys get at bats against lefties Agreed. and try and develop and try and be able to hit lefties for when the time comes. For me, Tommy, jo- like, he's fine as a right handed bat off the bench. He's meaningless to me. Like, Tommy Joseph. 
is like the 25th guy on the bench. He's Brock Stassi for me. He's no, better he's than that. Not. He's better Stop than that. It. I'm saying he's better than that, but I'm saying like in my mind, he's the 25th guy on I the bench. I get what you're saying. That's all I'm saying. Like, he's better cares? than Brock Stassi. And he's, for what you're saying, like he could be a somewhat valuable piece as a guy who only faces tough lefties. But, ah, uh, you know, it's what I. Uh, yeah, he uh, get an occasional start. I mean, listen, sure. he's not a bum. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah, like he is what he is. He's fine. He's fine. He is. It's he can hit left-handed catch. pitching a little bit. It's a shame he doesn't catch. True. He would right? have some value then. He actually sure. he did not hit left-handed pitching until later on in the year this year. I'm just looking at it and saying, like, all right, how am I going to build my team? It's a nice bat. I mean, God forbid you have an injury or whatever. Like, what? who else is playing first base if, if Hoskins isn't playing first base? And that's something you have to look at. Sure. I right? just think, Tom, again, you say, you literally introed Tommy Joseph by saying he's a dime a dozen. He's a dime a dozen. Put dime Daniel dozen. Nava there. I don't care. Like, anybody can play he's, that. Except he can play more positions. Yeah, he's and, much better. Yeah, I like Daniel better. Nava a lot he more is. than I like him. All right. So that's Tommy Joseph. And what can you say about Reese Hoskins? He actually ended up, by the end of the season, two hundred. he had uh, only batted 259. And I'd forgot that he had kind of his average had fallen that much. But I don't make too much of that. He's a hot hitter. When he gets hot, he's hot. No matter what he's doing, he's walking. Right? Which so he is pitched, the key. He was always getting on base. Always. Always. Professional bats, sees a lot of pitches, sees more pitches than anybody on the team, and it's not even really close. Finished the season with 37 walks, 46 strikeouts for a power hitter that's amazing. 18 it's home insane. runs, 48 RBIs. What, like, all right, so here's my question, James. What is his ceiling and what is his floor? Well, that's the, the thing I loved about Hoskins from the jump. In the minors was was the high floor. I thought, you know, th- this guy is worst case scenario. You know, a, uh, uh, you know, two eighty twenty five homer guy. Like worst, worst, worst case scenario. I think that's where he's at two seventy twenty five homers somewhere in that range. I mean, best case scenario is is the hot. You know, not the hot streak you saw. He's not going to eighty two homers this season. But he's a forty homer guy. Like he's a he's a maybe okay. never going to bat three hundred, but he's going to bat two eighty and have his on a base four, percentage is ten be, yeah. on base percentage, yeah. and that's all that matters. So yeah, best case scenario, he is a legit all star middle middle of the line bat. Like yep. that's the kind of guy he can be. And I think he's got a decent chance of, if nothing else, having a few years at that level for sure. And I feel like he will exceed his floor. I feel like he's going to be – I mean, just from what we saw – and again, look, you have to expect – no one's going to come up and have the streak that he had. At, first of all, no one's ever had the streak yet. <laughs> but no one's going to do that and then not have some sort of a slump. I mean, like, your Major League – the best hitters in the history it's of the baseball. sport – you know, be, yes, the best hitters in the history of the sport. That's the point. Are, are get out seventy percent of the time. You and, know? There's, and there's no, there's no rhyme or reason why it happens. It's just that you, you get, in, you get in that it's mentality. A, the, and you can't the, hit anything. It's the ultimate mano a mano game. It's one versus one. And look, first of all, confidence. Like you said, is a huge thing. Like you could just go through slumps where you just don't. You're you not. Just, it looked like a beach like, ball. For exactly. Like three, you're four seeing weeks. the ball. Yeah. Like that's. It's such a funny line, but it's so true. It's like these guys where they're seeing the ball and it's huge and it's there and it's like just the way it is. And then it's all about matchups and it's about this guy versus you know that guy. Just I can't hit him. He owns me. Oh, for four. Oh, I'll come out the next day and go four for four because I got that guy's number. Like it's just so you know it's specific to the. It's batter baseball-y. Versus, yeah, it's the best. Like it that's is. why it's the best, and and that's also why it is the most quantifiable. That's why stats are such a big part of this sport because every other sport, like even basketball, like less than football and hockey, but like everyone is so dependent upon their teammates for their success. Whereas in baseball, like it's one on one. Like obviously defense matters, but 
and base running and all that, but it's one-on-one, and you can really quantify that one-on-one matchup to like a really, you know, obviously extreme levels as far as statistics and all that type of stuff go, which just gives you a much larger sample size from which to call data that can actually be useful. How about about his defense? Here's one thing that surprised me about him, that without playing left field at all, and like I I knew that actually the late baseball George – Baseball George passed away, if you didn't hear this in, in previous yeah, podcasts we talked or whatever. He called me when he was in the minors and said that, that he can play left field. He At Sacramento State, where he went to college, he played outfield, and he did it, He did more than an adequate job. And I said, he's not going to play outfield. George said, just stop. Tommy Joseph's not playing the outfield, and Hoskins isn't playing the outfield in the majors. Sure enough, he comes up and plays left field in the majors. And he, and he did a pretty good job. Yeah, You know what I mean? I, I can't argue. I don't think he's ever going to win a gold glove out there. But he showed. He was better he, than I thought he'd be. He was definitely better than than I thought. Yeah, he has an arm. Like he, he has a, a much better arm than I would have expected out there. He he seemed somewhat natural. He wasn't taking bad routes to nope. the ball, which is what you really expect with those guys. Yep. And I think at first base defensively, I think he's solid. Like he's not, you know, he's not he's not a great defensive first baseman. He'll never be like a stud, but he could be someone like that. Was the thing they always said about Albert Pujols when he came up? He came up as a third baseman, moved to first. And everyone's like, oh, he's never really going to be a great first baseman. Look at his size. Look at this. But he was just, he was a really good defensive first baseman. Yeah. He had soft hands, and he yeah. was very smart. He always positioned right. Much like, better athlete than anybody really realized. Ever gave him credit for, yeah. yeah. But he was always in the right spot defensively. Like, you know, it would be one of those guys where it's like a good boom, point. line drive, and it's like right in his glove, and he was just there. Like, why is he there? Somehow he's there. Like, Pools was it's always one of them. Yeah, and yeah. I think that Hoskins has the potential to be that type of guy just because of how smart he is as a baseball player and how much of kind of a baseball nerd he is, um, you know, which we've seen. And you hear him talk about baseball, and you can just hear the kind of passion that he has yeah, for the game. So I, I, that, I think that's a, a potential to, to be a better fielder than you'd expect. But I don't think he's ever going to be a, a great defensive person. Is he baseman. a good enough outfielder as he gets a little bit older? Let's say, and I'm going to bring up a name in a second, Darek Hall, who is – he was at Lakewood and Clearwater this year. He set – he set uh, records in uh, in Lakewood for home runs. I think he had 27 home runs. Wow. But he's a clear first base. Like cannot DH. move off. No, like, trust me. I know I said that, I know I said Hoskins wouldn't play outfield. You this have a better like- chance <laughs> to play an outfield than Dark Hall. He he went to Dallas Baptist, the uh-huh. hotbed for baseball. But he's like a he's like a DH right. first baseman type that has plus plus power. Sure. So can Hoskins? Let's just say that one of the, one of these first base guys develops. Can Hoskins in two or three years shift to left field to make room for a guy that has plus power? Theoretically, yes. I think he could. I think like if he was actually trained to play left field and like again, we talked about him going in there with like what like a couple games in the minors. There's like, I hey, go play won. go play out left field in the majors. You got it, buddy. Um no problem. <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, but I do think that I think that he probably could. I don't think it's the best use of Hoskins. I think it's not. I think you would probably look to trade Hall first if he really does kind of come up and has legit value. Who knows though? Look, I think it's possible. I don't think that Hoskins Hoskins' body is not a left field body, especially if he grows anymore. I know he's 24, so like he might be fully developed, but like he also might not. Like he like guys really kind of reach their physical peak from like. 27, so what, he wouldn't be? Because, I mean, Pat Burrow was able to, to, yeah, to Burrow was. run around Burrow out there was, for, Burrow was the third baseman long. originally. like Third base, first base. First base now. But look, I think field. potentially, potentially. I just don't I don't think it's ideal. Like, I mean, his body type doesn't seem like a left fielder. But he was better out there than I ever expected him to be. So, you know, I don't think we have a big enough sample size to really say. No, we don't. But, you know, if but like maybe. I think it's an interesting hypothesis. Like, he looked better there than I thought he would for what it's worth. 
Yeah, and and I only and re- only the reason I bring it up is because you never know about a first baseman, right? And um, and you never know when you're going to get a guy that comes up through the the minors, and uh, and um, as I pull up his uh, his MILB stats right here, <laughs> yeah. So he, so at Lakewood, Derek Hall was a 272, 27 home runs, 96 RBIs, and 426 at bats. Um, strikes out a ton, doesn't walk a lot, so he's not the um, still a long way to go. Is the point here? Of course, he yeah, could, he could he could be nothing. He could be, and he is twenty two years old because he was a college so, junior. When so he was not drafted. great. So he's not like he's not he's not a high school player. He could but he's very also easily not. be Dylan Cousins, who I think will still be nothing. Oh yeah, and he's he's a six four two thirty six. He's a goon. He looks he's like goonish looking. Oh my god, he looks like a goon. Bats left, throws right. So you yeah. have the first baseman that's a right-handed fielder. Classic. Which, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you'd much rather. I mean, Hoskins is righty too, though, sadly, but no doubt. All right, final thing here. Yes, we have breaking Phillies news. No, we don't. Phillies to resign Pedro Florimond. Yes! He will. He has the inside track on a bench job, Matt Gelbad. For what I will say, like and, he's good. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, man. He's like good. I really liked his, you know, three week tenure or whatever it was. Like you know, the obvious. What did the, you do? Break his ankle? Yeah. yeah. Remember? His ankle? Did you do you remember the injury? It was like the second base. It was like it was like Ronald Darby esque. Yeah. It looked bad. It was like whoa, that is an ugly. But he Pedro Florimond was really good when he played. Like defensively, you know, he made plays. That dude, he had a like. I'm pretty sure he, he had some energy off and the he bench. Had, like uh, I think yeah. he had the highest WAR over the time period he was there, other than Hoskins. I'm pretty sure about that. He played really well here. Yeah, I he, like that move. I yeah, why not? I mean, inside track. Well, it is interesting. It is interesting. Just the now game. the general time period because the winter meetings did start today. So there is some interesting stuff out there. Stuff and, over the next week. Stuff is going to happen. And who would have thought that the the first signing for the Phillies would be Pedro Florimont to a minor league How contract? How could it not be? You got to lock Pedro you know up. Weird? I look at this and I say, oh. He, he turns 31 in December. He's kind of old for only being a triple-A slash major league player. Then I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm 41, so I, yeah, 31's not that old anymore. No, it is pretty old, though. I mean, like, he's, like, for someone to not come up till that. I mean, like, Brock Stasky, well, remember? He was, he was, like, he's, he's been, been around. Florman's been in the majors before. But the point is, like, look, Pedro Florman is not suddenly sprouting into a great major league baseball player. He's a nice bench guy. Right. I like him as a bench right, guy. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then when the league says, "Oh, yeah. this is how you, you let's you not get carried guy, away." Don't throw him a fastball. Yeah. All right. Then all of a sudden he's batting. Yeah. It's b- like once he's batting 90. every day, it's like, oh, he's not that good anymore. Um. So, but there is some interesting stuff. Obviously, the Gene Carlo rumors we've talked about, Cesar Hernandez trade rumors so, popping up, which I talked about. We talked about last time the concept of either moving Cesar to third or trading one of those guys to be able to bring Maybe Kingery next up. week we really dig deep in that. Do you yeah. think that do you think the Phillies do much of of anything? I mean I, 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 gonna... I don't believe I'm not going to tell you I don't believe that Stanton could get traded. I just don't know if it makes a heck of a lot of yeah. sense in the Phillies right I, now. I like go out and sign JD Martinez or something if you're going to do that. Like I don't know why like like I really like Mike Stanton. <sighs> Giancarlo Stanton. I'm going to call him Mike my entire life. I did it on the Phillies today podcast all the time. You can do that. Yeah, I just can't help it. It's it, it, he was Mike Stanton originally. John Carlos is, is sexier for sure. Oh, it's a much better name. But regardless, I mean, he's got the worst contract in the sport. I mean, it's like a freaking massive albatross around but your franchise. But let me ask you this: if he was the, if he was a free agent right now, wouldn't he get similar money from a team? It's coming the length, off that contract. Though, so he's got like what seven years of it left, eight years of it. Yeah, but like what? What this is a guy what who last year had his first him? full healthy season in in four years or three years or whatever? Oh, agree. 
But like I, I, that's the, that, I look at contracts, and I'm not a big. I look at length. My thing is length with these contracts. I understand that it's he's all about the length. Well, and but here's the thing, and it can be worth the length. Like let, let's put it this way: if you have him for like another, see that's the thing is, I think he's still got like eight or nine years on that contract at like thirty five mil or thirty mil or whatever it is each year. Like so, the point being that he has two hundred ninety five million left. Left off the top of my head. Think about that, and if he's what like thirty, he's got to be like close to thirty, if not thirty. I mean, you're gonna be paying that dude thirty five million when he's thirty eight years old, a guy who could barely stay healthy, a guy. Who's body uh-huh. look when they signed when Ruben Amaro signed Ryan Howard and a lot of people were like oh you gotta sign him you gotta sign I was like this is a disaster people that size don't age well, well and, and they, one of the David that- Ortiz is the only guy and he was a DH the only guy I've ever seen that size who aged well nobody else has ever done it like no, they all, right. their careers always fall off right. precipitously like that's that type of guy that worries me Stanton's a big big dude you are right. His defense is actually his defense is really good at this point. But yeah. Is, is he a, a DH long term? And to your point with Ryan Howard, one of the reasons why that contract wasn't as bad it was because it wasn't for eight or nine years. It was for five. Exactly. So it, it But it, the problem was that it was five and it was starting after two, though. So it was yeah. like really no, like seven. Right. Yeah. But cause imagine if you gave him a nine-year contract, he'd still be playing. I know. Or on the books. I know. Right now. Huh. So yeah, I don't. I don't think anything major goes down. They will make a trade this offseason. They're as going far as to be active. Guys. I just don't know how much the activity will turn into stuff. They're not good. They're not like as much as we would love to see. And who knows? Maybe they get lucky and make a little mini run and or whatever for a playoff spot. But like, they're not trying to compete this year. Like the goal is twenty nineteen and beyond. This this is supposed to at least in my mind the way I'm reading it. This is that last year of kind of like getting the kids a full year of playing, like building up around them, and then you really make, start to make a push, is my guess. And I'm reading on just two, two hours ago in the Miami Herald, Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stanton running the show on any potential <laughs> trades. Here, and here it says, when and if it comes to trading Stanton to St. Louis, San Francisco, Boston, Philadelphia, or wherever, the, the decision will ultimately rest on his broad shoulders because he has a full no trade provision. A former front office executive says, quote, he's got complete power. Giancarlo's running the show. Great. So there you go. And even the... Even the um, what about Jeets? Yeah, see, but they gotta. They, I don't know what's going on down there, but they they have to. They're, they have to bring payroll down quite a bit. So they look if that, they, if they can is. if if like obviously I'd trade for Giancarlo if they're gonna pay a big portion of the contract and if like you don't have to give they're up prospects. No, it's. I don't expect this to happen. It is not a great fit, I would say. So you, you don't go. really need him either. Like I mean, you know, he's a great hitter, but like you've got your outfield pretty locked up right now, at least. Doesn't feel like I'm f- I, listen. I'm totally fine with rolling with what they have right now. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them move Galvis or Hernandez. Me too. So you can bring so you can bring up Kingery when Let's you're roll. able to for the the the, uh, the free agency stuff. But I we will see what happens. All right. Well, um, next week we're gonna have hopefully some things to talk about as far as the uh, winter winter uh, meetings, and um, yeah, we'll have another. Are we doing second base next week? Hell yeah, man! Oh, see that you got. So you pit- just mentioned uh, Scott Kingery. It leads into second base. Position review, my man. You know what else we should do? We should we should bring up like old, like our top five Phillies oh. favorite first base. All right, so we'll do first base and second base of favorites next time. To Who's make your favorite a- first baseman in Phillies history? Yeah, just Phillies, right? Yeah. Um, you have to do athletics. Well, I was thinking athletics. I was a big Jimmy Fox fan. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one game I went to. He was, um, man, because you don't want to say Ryan Howard because he's like no. Shocked. Well, Ryan Howard is the answer, and op- the answer. I think Jim Tomey pops him in. I'm oh, just gonna go off the bat by more because I thought he was gonna be good when I was a kid, and I was Rick I, I was all in on the Ricky Jordan hype club. I thought Ricky Jordan was gonna be a star. He wasn't a star. 
No, he was good for those few years. Crocker's a good answer. Crocker's a great answer. Mike Schmidt played first base when Rick Shue yeah. played third base. I mean, base, and then Rick Jordan's more of a base. fun, silly answer. I mean, I like, like if you're really going to go top five, it's it's Howard, you know, it's Crock, it's Pete Rose, probably even though he wasn't here long just yeah, for the, the World Series. I think you got to put him on there. Um, and then, you know. How about that, Rico? Rico Bronia. Bronia. There's got to be an older guy that's better than Rico I mean, Bronia. Rico's the best defensive first baseman we ever had here. That How dude about was that? freaking amazing with the glove. Rico Bronia. Rico Bronia. He never won a gold glove. They always used to talk about how he's the best. Kind of oh, like he was. Gold well, glove's a joke, as yeah. we've discussed. Well, Rico, also, was, Rico was awesome. That was also back when they played at the vet, where it was like playing on concrete. So those dude, bounces Rico were easy. was a stud. Yeah, he was. He was so good defensively. He was really good. We're going to have to get him on the podcast. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. How about that? All right, everybody. Talk some defense with Rico. Love defense. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. James at James Seltzer on Twitter. I am at John Marks Media, and the Twitter is at High Hopes Pod. You're P-O-D. damn right. Check us out. See you later.